This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another edition of the Grit Per 60 podcast, Jets Grit Per 60 podcast. My name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC, and I am joined from the Independent Alligator. Hey, everyone. My name is Brendan, also known as TCJ. And this is the Grit Per 60 podcast, Canada edition. Yeah. So uh, do you want to explain that one or do you want me to do it? You, You got it. Yeah, so Vegas owner Bill Foley was was doing a thing like a media interview sort of deal, mm-hmm. and someone asked him if, if, about um, if Vegas was concerned about trading Nate Schmidt to Vancouver uh, because you know they're in the same division. And he said something along the lines of like, "Well, it doesn't really matter because they're going to be in the Canada division." And I think everyone kind of did like a collective like, "Hold what? up." back up here (laughs) what was that thing you just said i mean this is kind of rumored so for for those of you who are not aware um the nhl starting next season is a problem because seven of their teams and not six seven of their teams are in canada and canada still hasn't opened its borders so that kind of divides the league in two if they want to start in january right so one of the solutions to this that has been rumored for a little bit so this isn't just straight up out of the blue this has been rumored for a little bit is you just make one of the divisions a canada division and so you just have those seven teams in canada play each other whether or not they'd be able to schedule like road trips to play the american teams at some point i don't know But nothing was official at this point. And then we got that friendly little quote. And now we're thinking, this is probably a thing. Yeah, so at least if they were to do this, at least it would be better than what the Canadian teams in the MLS ended up doing. Because there's only, I'm trying to do the math ahead just to make sure, I believe there's only three MLS teams in Canada. Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto. Yes. And they just made them play each other a bunch. Because they couldn't cross the border or anything to go play the American teams. And so right now, I believe those three teams are on a stretch of uh, like road games. They're just going around uh, their conference playing teams on the road. Would the MLS have been better off with the MLB strategy where they just make Toronto play in Buffalo? Maybe. I don't know. But I believe... These NHL teams are really trying to have fans in the stands. Oh, yeah. No, I was talking about the MLS. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I committed. No, to no, you're good. Talking about the MLS on our NHL podcast. 
No, you're good. Uh, in all honesty, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that would be interesting because that directly affects our Jets, right? So now suddenly, suddenly we don't have to worry about Colorado so much. We don't have to worry about the Blues so much or Dallas so much. Um, I would personally be a little bit concerned about Montreal, maybe Vancouver, depending on how the rest of this, uh, depending on how Jim Benning reshuffles this uh, roster, right? Um, I mean, you got to worry about Edmonton now because you, they've got McDavid and I, I, I would say they probably now have three NHL defensemen. I can't list them off the top of my head, but it looks like they're at least getting three NHL, NHL caliber defensemen. Yeah, it seemed to me like, well, first of all, I was going to say that this division makes sense from a sort of geographical standpoint, right? Like they're all Canadian teams. Yeah. Um, just as long as you totally forget about A, how big Canada that is. is fucking huge. Yeah. And B, uh, the concept of time zones. Other than that, it makes perfect sense. But yeah, kind of going back to what you were saying is the reason this division would be interesting is that there's no clear favorite here. Not really. I mean, like Ottawa is a dumpster fire, so they're really the only team that I'm like, yeah, they have no chance at all. Yes. And I was going to say that maybe Ottawa is trending upwards, but then I remember they took Sanderson fifth overall. Was it Sanderson? What was his name? Yeah, yeah, Sanderson. Sanderson, yeah, fifth overall. Um, so maybe they're not going in the right direction. They did sign, um, oh, what's his face? Uh, Evgeny Dadanov today. Okay. So I guess like that helps, but they also just need yeah. to throw money at people to get them to the salary floor. That's true. <laughs> is this, is this going to be like a weird situation where the rules in Quebec are different from the rest of Canada for some reason? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Are I you just, the- are you talking about like COVID or? covid things in general i am not up to snuff on back is weird my uh canadian covid19 i know the drinking regulation knowledge i have no idea (laughs) okay follow-up question yes unrelated to the last question if there's a canada division do they have to play both the canadian and the american national anthems or they just playing the canadian national anthems i have no idea i don't i don't pay attention to I would imagine they probably just play the Canadian national anthem. I don't know. Playing the national anthem is kind of weird when there's no one in the stands anyway. Well, but, but they, again, you said they wanted to have fans. Yeah, in the stands. I know. I know. I thought that was going to be the plan. I know that. I mean, I know that like they're trying to. I don't know if follow up question. Yes. Can the national anthem just always be bare naked ladies? Maybe. Sure. Why not? Because. Name me a better national anthem singer than the Bare Naked Ladies. I I don't know. I'm not an expert on. I mean, I'm not Canadian. That that too. But Bare Naked Ladies doing the national anthem. Okay, so Canadian division power rankings go. Um, uh, I guess I would go Toronto one. Okay. Ottawa at seven, and then I have honestly no idea in the middle. Oh, that's a cop-out. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let's start here. Ottawa seven. No, let's start here. Toronto one. I guess I These would These are go... your power rankings, by the way. I guess I would go Vancouver at two. I don't, okay. I don't like that. Uh, Montreal three. Okay. Uh, we'll go with... 
Edmonton at four. Wrong, but okay. I don't. I don't really know. And then I, I'm running out of. Oh, I'm not even looking at. I'm looking at. I I know which teams you're leaving out. There are two teams that you have not said yet. Yeah, so I was looking at a list of uh, acquisitions by uh oh okay by division first, and oh. it only had six teams because I don't know. Um, no, it's well, seven. It I, have the seven. I can't count. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, Winnipeg and Calgary, whatever. You follow the Jets. You've got to give them a specific ranking if you're going to rank everybody else. Like this podcast is a Jets podcast. You can't just say what you can't rank all the teams and then go whatever for the Jets. Fine. We'll go Calgary five, Winnipeg six. Wrong. So wrong. I'm just saying that like if I'm doing power rankings, Winnipeg and Ottawa are the only ones that didn't get out. Oh, I guess Toronto too. uh, Were the ones that didn't get out of the first round. But then again, I put Toronto at the top. But I mean, I feel like Toronto is better than they were last year. So okay. Yeah, Toronto one, Montreal two, Vancouver three, Winnipeg four, Edmonton five, I think, Calgary six, Ottawa seven. See, like the difficult thing is that I'm high on Paul Stastny and Hanel is going to have a breakout year. I mean, that's good. I mean, I think that Winnipeg can be a lot better next year. I'm still really Hanel breaks into the top four. I'm still really weary of that defense still. Fair. And I'm also terrified of what happens if Connor Hellbuck isn't like Vesna caliber again. That's also fair. Um, I think he can be very good and this team can be successful, particularly if we've got Paul Stastny at 2C. I think that, I mean, just not just because it's an upgrade at 2C, but then you've got other players in, in depth roles that where they can excel. Right, Andrew Cop is going to excel at three C or third line or Adam Lowry or whoever's there. Lowry Cop, I guess if we don't bring back Jack Russell, like that's an issue. Um, but I, th- I think the pieces are there for the Jets to be really good. I'm optimistic. I don't like all of the random guys that they brought in to play defense, like Derek Forbert and Lucas Sabiza, who's actively bad. Like, I don't see a very consistent top four there. I definitely don't see a top pairing, but they can be successful with this lineup. I don't think I don't think it's quite as bad as last year when, when you needed Connor Hellbuck to be a Vezina caliber goalie for them to be a playoff bubble team. I think he can still be... I think he can re- reasonably rely on Hellbuck being pretty good and like a top five, top ten goaltender in this league and the Jets being a pretty competitive team yeah so i'm kind of divided i guess like i'm a little lower on the jets like without being able to see what they look like for a few games i'm kind of eh on the whole thing right like you're asking me power rankings yes so like right now i do think sassney at on the second line will pay off you know I, I, i think that you know there's no way that like their advanced stats are as bad as they were last year. And I don't, I'm hoping that they don't have as many injuries slash just ridiculous amounts of adversity as they did last year. Mm -hmm. But still it's just like without being able to, I guess what I'm saying is after a few games, I will be more optimistic or I'll have a better feel for the jets than right now as it currently sits. I mean, 
I'd say that's true. I understand where you're coming from, but you could say the same thing for any team in the league. Any team, except for maybe the Lightning. Maybe the Lightning. Or maybe the Stars. I guess maybe it's a little bit more true from the Jets because there are so many question marks. But, I mean, where's the fun in that answer? Right, we're doing... <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, have, I have all the lamest takes today. Yeah. I know. I know. You need more to drink. I had too much to drink last time. You need a little bit more, is what I'm hearing. So you can break out of those lame takes. So what we were thinking about was how would it how would the schedule look like yes. if we were to do an all Canada division? And you and I both kind of agreed that a good idea would be to sort of do like a baseball sort baseball of format. Style, yeah. Yeah, where you know, baseball teams play like three game series, you know, and then they go to the next town, they play, you know, three game series or whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if like that same sort of thing could happen. The only problem is that there are seven teams, so it's kind of hard to divide that up. Well, you could. I mean, if there, I'm assuming that not every Canadian team is playing on the same days, and if if we schedule three games in a row, they won't be on back to back to back days, right? Yeah. So we could have some way of staggering those games so teams aren't off for necessarily four days in a row. Yeah. Exactly. Some way. Yeah. But you would still probably have two or three maybe days where you're just like, well, all the other Canadian teams are playing and we're not. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see a way where the jets go on in a, you know, three game road trip where they do Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. Right. Right. Or, you know, I guess like you could have Winnipeg and they go play Montreal, Ottawa and, Toronto in the same trip and then they come back. I don't know. So do you here's I'm I'm gonna deviate from this point a little bit. So if we do the baseball scheduling, do you think that limits like travel days? Do you think all right, we're already on this condensed schedule where we're starting in January and we want to get as, as many games as we can without you know dragging the playoffs into next August again. Right. So do you think um, doing this baseball scheduling takes out some travel time and therefore they can play more games in fewer days, I guess. I mean, that's what I would think, right? Like, or maybe that goes against the CBA. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I'm not an expert on the CBA at all. I don't think they'll get 82 games in. I don't Oh I mean, no, no, no. If you were going to, I mean, I don't know. Say, there's, say there's they no did way- like, yeah, keep going. Sorry. I was going to say, there's no way to cancel three months of the season and still play 82 games. Yeah. I don't know. If you were to say like 60 games or whatever, there are seven Canadian teams. Therefore, you know, they're going to play each other 10 times. Right. Like it's better off to just fly out to Ottawa, play like four game, three, four games in Ottawa, mm. and then fly back and, you know, there or whatever. I don't know. I like, feel like there are ways to cut three down. games in Ottawa and then play. Three games Tampa, three games Montreal. Although maybe I'm underestimating how big Canada is again. Did you say Tampa instead of Toronto? I, it's possible. I meant Toronto. I was looking at something from the Tampa Bay Rays. Huh. So not even hockey related. 
Perfect. But yeah, I mean, to me, it, it seems like currently that might be the best way to go about things with the Canadian teams and, you know, the way the border is right now is, is to do it that way. I don't really see it going any way. I don't see it going any other way because it sounds like, you know, these leagues, they don't want to do bubbles unless they really have to because they're expensive right. and the players don't like them. Right. Well, and the, again, they want fans there. I don't see how you can yeah, do a bubble they want without fans. fans. Yeah. yeah. Or a bubble with fans. fans. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. Um, my question is, you know, I feel like the, the baseball series scheduling just makes more logistical sense in the way the NHL currently does their scheduling. Like, why wouldn't they just normally do three-game series? You... I mean, you've already got all the division games at the end of the season anyway, where you're playing the same team three times in March because rivalries, apparently. Why not just make them back-to-back-to-back? Well, not on consecutive days. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I mean, I forget. There was an athletic article on that a while ago, but I believe there was some sort of, uh, I guess, I don't know what they called it. I'm just going to refer to it as... uh, the scheduling version of gold drafting you know how like there's a very like small set group of people who are like they know what gold drafting is and they're like this is the way thing things should be done and mm-hmm. any other way is dumb right uh, i believe that there was a plan like that floating around as a fun like what if before all this happened um, as a way to cut down on travel but yeah, I mean that, that's an interesting thought about how all this could affect um, NHL travel in the future. I mean, even after all of this COVID stuff is behind us. Are you ready to take a break? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, we can we can we can take a break here and uh, come back uh, after a word from our sponsor. Since 1999, CoolHockey.com has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL hockey jerseys in North America. They ensure every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specifications of the NHLPA. Since they don't outsource jerseys for customization like their competitors, they're able to offer the best quality, pricing, and delivery time on all of their products. If you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets, they have what you need to support your team. If you take our word for it, then go to www.coolhockey.com THPN and use our promo code THPN for 30% off. All right, and we're back. So in the meantime, I, I found the name of that scheduling thing. That was talking about. It. It's called the Taze schedule, as in, I mean, that's what the athletic called it for an article. I don't oh, know you I mean it. like Devin Taze? Yeah, yes, that one. That that one's you mean the uh named after the defenseman that the GM of the year had to trade because right. he made a bunch of dumb signings that made it so that they couldn't fit him on the salary cap anymore. Devon, that uh, uh, is it Devin D- Devontae's? I don't know. Taves with a V pronunciation. Anyway, so not that Taze. It was uh they called it they called it the Taze schedule after Jonathan Taze. Because apparently, I don't know, one of the writers showed it to him and he was super supportive of it. But yeah, it was simple, very much like what we were talking about, sort of like baseball scheduling, where you would go to, you know, in this instance with the Jets, like go to Vancouver for, I don't know, a week 
play three or four games or whatever, and then go back home, right? Because yep. you just knock out all your games there and then you go somewhere else. You know, and it, theoretically, like it would cut down on, on travel and the way you do things. I don't know. It just seems kind of pointless to me when you have seven teams in a country right. as big as Canada and you've, you're basically forced to play them, like make them all play against each other and nobody else. Right. I mean, it's at least not as comically dumb as three MLS teams just like playing each other back and forth. (laughs) And I guess the reason you wouldn't do this on a regular NHL schedule is because you're then because you also have to think about playing Western Conference teams that you only get two games against and one is home and one is away. So you couldn't schedule three game series with them. The way the scheduling currently works. I'm almost wondering if uh, sorry, again, I'm a little under the influence of the MLS schedule here. But I'm almost wondering if these divisions end up playing each other a bunch anyway. Like the MLS basically came up with pods sort of where like, for instance, like the Quakes played like the Galaxy, LAFC, um, what else was it? Like Colorado, Seattle, and portland a bunch and that was like sort of that's what i call them i call them pods because they basically just yeah. took those teams and you were like you're just gonna play each other a bunch and then i think slowly they've sort of kind of expanded a little bit but honestly is what the nfl should have done yeah and I'm, and that's what i'm wondering is that when you have seen the disaster that has been the nfl lately if they yeah. might go you, with that you gotta go with some sort of plan i mean you can't just you can push back to january sure but right now, maybe things between, I mean, it's we're still three months away. Maybe things will change between now and, and January 1st. Um, but right now, you cannot try to operate a season the way you just normally would, we, regardless of the whole border thing with Canada, right? Yeah. It's just, it doesn't work. And if, you, and if you can't, I understand doing the bubble again, probably isn't in the cards just because we're no longer talking about a tournament. We're talking about a season, right? And trying to do a bubble for a season is is very different. You're trying to get all 32 teams under, you know, maybe a handful of bubbles. It's just weird. But you you, got to have some sort of plan that's not just, oh, this is going to be our season, right? We're going to have hand sanitizer, um, Mr. Spray things when you walk into into practice and that's going to be enough. No. You got to be able to isolate your players and your teams in somehow, some fashion. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, change things up a little bit here. Oh, I was just looking at a, at a tweet from Pierre Lebrun um, about a thing of insider trading where one of the bullet points is Lining camp says trade would be mutually beneficial. And I'm just like, well, isn't that what um, all trades are supposed to be? Well, I guess what they're saying is Line and his people would welcome a trade or something like that. Not just, I, I guess mutually beneficial in most hockey trades would be beneficial between two teams, right? Not necessarily beneficial for the player. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just saw that the whole mutually beneficial thing. I'm just like, that's theoretically, that's what trades are supposed to be. 
Yeah, so I guess they'd be going to yeah, I mean maybe they're going to a team that would uh maybe compete more or give him better minutes, although it's hard to beat his minutes, to be honest, or better more competitive teammates or something. Or probably more money than the Jets can pay him. Particularly the way I guess the way the Jets are set up now, they don't have a whole lot of cap space left. And if you're gonna resign him at the end of the season, that might be difficult. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just sort of at the point where I feel like we should just stop talking about line A trade rumors, even though I was the one that brought it up. Uh, I feel like we should just kind of stop talking about it until it actually happens. Well, and I guess the other thing to mention here is word on the sh- word on the streets, word on the streets was that um, trade talks with regarding line A have cooled tremendously. So it looked at one point like a deal wasn't going to get done. So maybe this is line A's agent trying to drum up some business or saying, hey, there's really is a demand for line A. You better pay him for his next contract or something like that. Um, even if, you know, maybe he is trying to get a trade, but also maybe he's just trying to say, hey, we don't necessarily want to be here. Better pony up the money. I am sort of wondering, though, if line A could end up being the backup option for any team that missed out on Taylor Hall right after he signed that really weird deal with Buffalo this week. Right. Like if you're a team that still wants another top six guy, like, I mean, Patrick Lyon and Taylor Hall aren't the same player, but if you're a team that needs another top six forward, or in this case, a winger in the top six, right. There aren't a whole lot of fallback options for a true top six forward, unless you want to go out and grab Mike Hoffman or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And I, I just, if it was, I mean, the reason it's difficult to trade line eight is because, there, I mean, there just aren't a lot of teams right in the market that are going to give up what the Jets would want to get from, because the value for line eight is pretty high, right? You can get a lot from line eight. And so, or at least the on ice production, you can get a lot from it. So that should translate to a good return um, if you're going to trade them. I don't know if there are a whole lot of people willing to part with the parts that you would need to fit that value make the value on ice value work um, and i don't i guess probably covid complicates things a bit and i don't you know now that the draft has passed it's not like you can say hey we can benefit i mean i guess you're probably not trading draft picks but maybe you know there was there's always an impetus to impetus that's probably not the right word to use um it's always sort of a, well, we want to get this deal done before the draft because we can potentially make trades with those draft picks. And now the draft has passed. And I guess that's probably why talks have cooled, I imagine. Or, or the Jets have already asked everybody, hey, what would you give up for line A? And it just wasn't enough. So I guess the, the weird thing to me about all the line A trade talk is that there's never been a steady team name like that's been thrown out there to me. Like, I've heard a lot about the Flyers. Yeah, but like, I don't know. You have, like, for example, you have like the Oliver Ekman Larson trade rumors. Mm -hmm. I know it's not quite the same because it's more so they're trying to ship out Ekman Larson because of his salary and and all that. Um, And obviously the Jets are in a much better financial situation. But still, like, you know, we've been, we heard for like days, like, there were, 
multiple reports about how like Vancouver and Boston were like super interested in Oliver Ekman Larson. I don't know if there's ever been as much behind that as line A has. I don't know if that means like there's just not as much interest or if there's just like nothing has gotten all that close. You know, what's interesting. I bring up Boston. Boston might be an interesting candidate because they just um, lost. I think it was Marchand and Pasternak for a few months. They lost two of their big like point producing players for like until like February, I think. So if the league starts in March, I mean, if they're trying to make the playoffs, they might be in on a top six forward. Well, plus that might help them find, uh, put the meme of like, Hey, you're a one line team to bed. You know, like that's, that's, that's been the knock on them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would, I would even say they're probably a two line team. I know it's, it's it's just a little bit of a meme though because it's like hey we had the best line in hockey and then it's like after that it was just like we've got some decent like forward depth or whatever and then they go and play Tampa and just get rocked. Yeah, yeah. Both Marchand and Pasternak have had surgery. One will be out for I think they said until about February ish, and the other one will be out until about March ish, which in a shortened season. Suddenly you've lost two of your top six forwards. That's that's an issue if you're going to try to make the playoffs and you're, you've basically lost a first month or so, month and a half to two months. So they might be looking for a top six forward. Yeah, but also like line A, bringing in line A isn't going to be a panic move to just drill a depth for an injured player though, or for two injured players. That's the thing. Okay, so then those injured players return, and now you've got more scoring. Yeah, I'm just saying that, like, it's not going to be a sort of deal where someone trades for line A, and it's going to be like, all right, you're here primarily to just, like, help us with injuries. And oh, no, that, it's not right, primarily, right. but I'm saying that could give the, the Bruins more incentive to go after a top six forward. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That one makes sense. But also, I don't know if what Boston has will fit what Winnipeg wants. Like, I'm assuming that a line A trade would be one that brings in immediate help while also grabbing some futures and stuff. Line from McAvoy, who says no? Uh, the Bruins say no to that one. But you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, you know, the Bruins aren't going yeah. to give them a center or – well, and they no one, longer, one of their best defensemen. Yeah, they no longer have Tory Krug to sell. Right. So I don't I don't know how exactly that deal works. I yeah. always thought that the Carolina one that uh, LeBrun brought up made sense because the Hurricanes do have like a logjam of defensemen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it makes sense to me that if you wanted to flip someone or flip one of those defensemen for, you know, a, a guy like Patrick Laine who can finally help the Hurricanes sort of uh, flip that uh, bad PDO on its head a bit. But does Winnipeg have enough airports or museums? Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, if we're doing the whole, hey, let's flip a forward on in the last year of his deal for a defenseman on the last year of his deal, and the, and the Jets get... Dougie Hamilton had that, I won't be mad, but <laughs> I don't see that happening either. <laughs> yeah, it's worth a shot. 
Oh, it's, it's absolutely worth a shot. Are you kidding me? I mean, my, my take is still that Dougie Hamilton would have won the uh, the Norris this year had he not gotten injured. So, Well, there we go. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue with that. Certainly nobody on the, I mean, nobody on the Jets would have any sort of claim to that. So, But yeah, so did you have anything else you Ooh. wanted to bring up? Okay. I'm going to tell you as a yes. Okay, back to Hanel having a breakout season. Is he technically a rookie this year if he plays yes. in the NHL? Yes. He's only played nine games last year. So, so I believe the threshold how, is like 20 or something like that. How, because that was how uh, Matt Murray won two Stanley Cups uh, as a rookie. How soon can we start the Hanela for a Calder? Um, after what, the ninth game? <laughs> if he's still with them for what, the tenth game? Yeah, sure, why not? I I didn't realize you, you so you can do the whole nine game. I don't know how that more than works. once. I, I thought it was like a one-time thing. I thought it was like redshirting. But I, honestly, I would be disappointed if he's not with the NHL team for more than nine games this year. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Because he looked so good, and then they were just like, "No, we don't need you. We can, we, we, we got he, this." He was, he was all right last year. Let's not pump the brakes a little bit on that. He was competent in, in his short Jets yes. stint last year, and now he's a year older. Yeah, I mean, like fair. No, no, we'll we'll see. That's that's gonna be a it's gonna be a waiting game. But uh, Actually, he's, he's, he's like got a, year and a half older by the time this season starts. He's got two points in four games though. Mm. Over in what Finland? I think he's playing. Pretty, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty so, good. why not? Small sample size. For uh, that, I'll break out the small sample size. But for nine games in the NHL, I do not care about sample size whatsoever. I just saw Jay Fresh tweet, screw it, the Jets should trade line A for a 1D and then sign Hoffman, which kind of makes sense <laughs> a little bit. Because, I mean, Hoffman is sort of like the uh, the great value version of uh, Patrick Line, right? Like he's a forward whose value is basically his shot and absolutely nothing else. But he's also not Patrick Line. <laughs> We should ask Jay Fresh how long Hoffman's neck is. Yes. Yes. Is that a is that a negative correlation sort of deal? Like the longer your neck is, like the worse player you are? I not necessarily, but I would say a longer neck um, adds to your grit per sixty. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Well I mean like Tyler Myers is a grit per sixty god, yeah. so Right. Because his neck makes him taller. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, he's 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 big and tall, and he hits people, right? Like he must right, be good. Correct, and his neck helps him with that. So also, he's getting paid a lot of money to do it. So therefore, really must Grit. be good. Right. Oh, um, the gents also added Nate Thompson, and I just wanted to say a little bit because I was able to watch him because he was on. Unfortunately, uh, he was on my, one of my favorite teams last season. That's not the Jets. Played for the Flyers. Um, I think from him, what you get is a, he's not a bad player, but if you use him, if he gets too much, too many, he's the kind of player that you can give too many minutes to. And that's kind of what happens in the bubble with the Flyers. I think for a lot of Flyers fans, they're like, why is, why is Nate Thompson just always on the ice? Like he's not a bad player. 
but if you don't want to give him tough minutes, you don't want to give him tough opponents. He's very. This is very much a. We need a veteran presence. We need some grit on this team because we got outgritted by Calgary type of move. I would argue that they were just outgunned by Calgary in the sense Correct. that, like, they were beat up, and as soon as they lost Shifley, it was GG at that point. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm telling you, the hockey men saw it as outgritted. I know. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know. I think it's kind of a dumb narrative. I don't think the Flames game plan was, all right, we're going to send out Matt Kachuk out there. He's going to... No, I mean, kind of. But I would I would say that the Flames game plan did involve throwing the body around. Also, Nate Thompson might as well be the Lucas Visa of forwards, but that's just... Me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. But there nate thompson does provide some value on the ice whereas lucas abisa does not provide any value on the ice i'm not really sure nate thompson provides any value either but that's just me he's not good i mean he's not terrible anyway it's just overusing is is certainly a problem that's all i had yeah okay um so that's gonna wrap it up uh, for us this week you can follow the pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at grit per 60 pod. You can follow TC at TC underscore nine Oh four. And you can follow me on Twitter at B Farrell seven, two seven. And don't forget to, you know, follow all of our friends here at the hockey podcast. Network. Like and subscribe. Uh, yes. That one. Uh, and thank you for listening. Rate and five stars. Thank you for listening and have a good one. Oh, hi there. Pleased to meet you. My name is Tom Franklin, one half of the Blue Notes podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got that 2019 Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. And we're also your home for the best blues analysis. Yes, it's it's a it's a Bruin, but he, he's he's gonna help the power play, and and that's what people need to understand. And you know they're gonna look at it and say, oh well, Justin Falk was supposed to help the power play as well. Tory Krug is legitimately going to help the power play. Felt like Newport was ready to go into this offseason and use Petrangelo as an example and say, okay, we're gonna play chicken here with with uh, with the COVID cap here. Someone is going to give Petrangelo his money. We also have great guests from here at home. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, St. Louis Blues beat writer Jim Thomas, the organist for the St. Louis Blues, Jeremy Boyer, and around the world. Yo, Blues fans, it's Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, all the way from the Netherlands. And no other podcast can say they have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent, but we do. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, and this is my Aloha Commentary. Plus, a little self-deprecating humor thrown in there. One of our new Blue Note Selkie-level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what, I am failing my prices right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. He has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my... Prices right off this. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> voted the best podcast by our peers in the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow Tom and Wags on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod, and be sure to subscribe to Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. 
This is Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle.